Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. I'm Jennifer. Yay! Um, and we're here this evening for a classic of uh, black and white cinema um, that Adam has, uh, has, has suggested we cover this evening. I think it's a fantastic idea. I can't believe we haven't... There's so much stuff that I still, every time, say, I can't believe we're heading towards <laughs> 100 episodes and we've not seen it. It goes to show how much good stuff is out there, really. Yeah. Um, There's always been quality. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, so before we launch into anything, uh, yeah, sad news. We do have to have to mm. note the passing of Diana Rigg. Yeah. Um, who we covered just a few episodes ago. Um, and as we are again on the cusp of Halloween, we will be revisiting again with uh, The Worst Witch. So uh, I think we should all raise a glass to Diana Rigg. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a real shame. Although that obviously, uh, obviously when this goes out, that'll have been a while back. Hmm. But hmm. also in this week, in a weird coincidence, this uh, this this week there was the um, was the and the sixtieth anniversary. Of this being released. Oh, psycho. Oh, really? Ooh, yeah. spooky. That's good. Yeah. Is so, that what the yeah, so are? That's not much I can say about now. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite concerning though, because you go through you go through the list of the cast and it's like, yeah, there's there's no one left alive. This is not mm. When did Hitchcock die? Was he old, 80, young? Um eighty I think like about eighty two. Hang on. Uh, 80. Oh, okay. So he had a good innings. Presumably. Oh, yeah. M maybe I took on his, his soul. Yeah, well... Oh. Probably not. Maybe. <laughs> We've seen your uh, abilities behind the camera, so yeah. Uh, it's... <laughs> I'd say I might be as good an actor as him, possibly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you think, you think like, you're, you're a background cameo. <laughs> yeah. Right. I could pull that off. Mm. Depending on the, the scene. <laughs> uh, I think also just the, the mere fact that you've obviously not inherited his appetite. <laughs> Possibly not. Because I, I couldn't think of two more sort of opposed <laughs> silhouettes than yourself and Mr. Hitch. <laughs> now, I was going to ask, though, where, where was he born? Leightonstone. Was he? Yeah. Because ah, having just seen that excellent trailer that Lee posted, <laughs> hmm. Adam posted. Um, oh, did he? Oh, um, I thought it was you. Okay. Um, yeah, which is why I was a bit late because I saw it about two minutes to. I thought oh, I should watch it. And, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's very good. So for the listeners but, who obviously don't yeah. know what we posted, because it's in our uh, our special secret, top secret we, uh, chat group, we could um, post it along with the. Oh. Uh, Possible, I don't know where we have to say, uh, but yeah. So basically, Adam posted us ten minutes before we started recording. Oh, you should go and check out the uh, the six minute trailer for Psycho, um, which is Alfred Hitchcock bumbling about the set, um, being yeah. weird. It's well worth watching. I mean, I've seen it before; it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so that's why Chris was late was checking that out. But yeah, especially with the little ending they did. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's, I was trying to work out his accent because he seemed to have a slight twang on a few words, like sound, or I was thinking, where's that from? 
essentially it was just very lugubrious mm. and would extend words as much as his stomach. <laughs> and there was something very horrible found down there. <laughs> and pointing to the toilet, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. it is a hell of a trailer. It has to it yeah. People want to see it. Is, it. I mean, if we can, we'll post it. But it's on YouTube, and just put "psycho trailer" and you'll see. Like, it's the original theatrical trailer. There was no. That was the. This genuinely was what was in cinema. What was it? Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's just so. Oh, so it's so perfect a, a sort of encapsulation of his personality. Yeah. Mm. Or certainly his his sort of screen personality of just like it's very sort of dry. Deadpan. Mm. Yeah, deadpan, but uh, but bloody hilarious. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. But it's um, yes, if, if people obviously having guess, you know, we are doing Zyka. So, <laughs> um, so before we get into that, um, Chris, have you had the opportunity to uh, see anything in the last week? Yes, I watched a couple more from the London Horror Society uh, short films. So I watched The Clown Attacks, which they say is a short comedy horror film. And it's pretty good. um, It it was very short. It was, I think, about five minutes, this one. Um, But yeah, a a clown who's not not having such a good time. And then I won't say anything more because that'll end it, really. But uh, (laughs) it, it was quite... Quite humorous. Entertainment. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little. I like that you're digging the shorts because I quite like shorts and there's so much out there. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't watch anywhere near as much as I should, especially with YouTube and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. And London Horror Society, it's so easy to, to have them delivered mm. to you. Well, I thought, like, so far, these have all been really good. I mean, I think, certainly, in fact, the other one that I watched, it said, was award-winning. Now, funnily enough, it, it was fantastically shot, um, excellent production quality. Uh, the style was great. Uh, I don't know whether the story was exactly my sort of thing. Okay. Um, I was going to say, not quite my cup of tea. And I thought to myself, where does that expression come from? Because I don't think I've ever been given the wrong cup of tea. <laughs> but obviously, that, this it, isn't my cup of tea. This it is must boring. have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd like to know the etymology for that word, uh, that phrase. But yeah, if anyone knows, mm. um, but yeah, no. So, so yeah, again, just excellent all round. Probably a lot of people would love it. Um, maybe uh, again, I find I do have to watch. Probably, or it's a bit like um, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After having just watched it. Um, I find I do have quite a bit to process to really figure out what I think about it. Mm. Um, so probably the second watch, you know, you can, you're sort of seeing the rest of the details that you might have missed. Um, and, and of course, talking about things really helps that. Yeah. But yeah, so it's good. Definitely. And it's funny that you say that, actually, because I, I think that I'm very unlike that in a lot of ways. Mm. I think I watch something and then once it's over, I go, yep, that was great, and move on to the next thing. Mm. And I kind of don't dwell on anything. Um, Yeah, so so that's why this podcast is great for me. Yeah. It means that I don't just let it wash over me and then move on to the next thing on the list. Mm. Um, Yeah, and I think it does make you watch films very... I think we discussed Mm. it off mic previously. Um, It does make you watch films in a very different way yeah you know you're going to be talking so rather than just sitting and watching it 
um, yeah. It's you, a much more active kind of viewing. Yeah. I'll take, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it, uh, yeah. it can backfire, though, when you watch something that you love <laughs> yeah. and then ruin it for yourself because you're sitting there going, well, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. why, why is he doing that? Yeah. And, you go, and it's like, oh, no, yeah. If I don't ask this question, somebody else is going to, and I need to have the answer, so I need to work yeah. it out. I'm, I'm getting that a lot with Star Wars because I keep showing the kids a few extra scenes because some of it is still a little bit not not as PG or U as it was originally rated. Mm -hmm. I don't think when you know arms are getting chopped off and uh, so on. But yeah, so I keep showing them a bit extra sort of every year, yeah, and then. It's, so, how old are they going to be when they finally get to watch a film? Oh, no, no. Could, probably, <laughs> probably, probably 18 for Toby. Eve, maybe, you know, 12 or 13. But, yeah, it's just... Um, and you have to sort of fill in the story, of course, because mm. it's, it's like, yeah. yeah. And they say, so why? why? Well, yeah. Why? See, why do they do that? It's funny you say that, because you remind me of C-3PO. So now I've just got <laughs> images of that bit when he's in the chair explaining to the little Ewoks. Mm. In, in uh, Ewokies, telling them all the story. Ah, now they took took. And that's how I can envisage you now. Solo, see to carbon. Chris, this is what you need to do. We've got Ted, um, we've got the original trilogy as books. Mm. But they, they make them, I mean, they're yeah. what, they sort of five-ish, I suppose. But yeah. Ted just likes to be read to. Mm. And so, yeah, we do those. And I do it like C3PO because I do it with the voices. <laughs> yeah. so every time I mention Darth Vader, <laughs> just to ensure. You're like an interactive story. Yeah. And I make him turn the page when R2D2 bleeps. Yeah. So. <laughs> that joke only works for anybody over the age of 35. <laughs> um, it's great to know that you think I'm the worst character out of the entire. The most annoying. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Jar Jar's only in a few episodes, whereas C three PO is in every. Mm. Uh, you're more C three PO than you realise, perhaps. Yeah. Oh no, no. I'm sure I am. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just an unfortunate tragedy of my life. But I, he, he makes up. There's one scene in. Uh, I think it's the final. It must be the final. Uh, Rise of Skywalker, where where he, he redeems himself for everything, and he's like actually says something good for once. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that because we are rewatching the latest three again. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, not quite the earlier. We will. No, it was the latest. Well, one. okay, but then the, very latest. They're the final three of the. the set, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah, so we're rewatching those at the moment, but um. Oh, is it, was, have you started? Well, we watched Solo, and then we went back mm, okay. and watched um, the first one of the new... Rogue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you um, didn't watch Rogue One, then? No, uh, no I, I, I love Rogue One. Um, I think that is still one of the... Good to say, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's my favourite, but it's literally... A, um, I've, got a, I've upgraded my player in the, the player in our bedroom. Mm. Um, so we watched Solo on it because it looked lovely and shiny. Because it's in blue mm. that nonsense, apparently. Yeah. Jennifer doesn't understand it. <laughs> oh, okay. no. The films um, are so good, you don't have to watch them in any kind of K. Mm. So, yeah, so we watched Solo and then we watched um, uh, Force Awakens. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to work our way back through. That'd be interesting to see what you think again after having, you know, yeah, see yeah, them all again. Go back after a while, I think, isn't it, and see mm. if you like them. 
I think we will definitely. <laughs> Right. Um, anyway, so, so yes. Adam, yeah, sorry, now we've gone off and talked about Star yeah. Wars. Sorry, never mentioned Star Wars. <laughs> that fucking take yeah, but, uh, for at least thirty minutes. But as we also spoke when we spoke to each other in the week, droids are welcome to listen to our show. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not the canteen. No well, destroyed. We'll, we'll, we'll take anything. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, Adam, what have you watched uh, this week? Anything exciting? Um, well, like I say, we've. I've begun a rewatch of Fitch Arts about the Galaxy. Uh, last night, I started my rewatch in Claire's introduction to Cracker. Oh, oh nice! nice. <laughs> you, got the you got the box set. That was a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Claire likes. So we, it was that uh, the very first one, Mad Woman in the Attic, where it's the amnesiac who's been thrown from the train. Hmm. And again, it's like, watched it, and then I was like, but most of the time it's like Columbo, you actually know who's done it. Yeah. And that's the thing. But that, yeah, that first one is actually quite sort of weirdly, it, I suppose it just introduces Fitz rather than a murderer. So, yeah. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> there you go. A quick analysis, and I've been found a fool. Um, <laughs> and I also watched a film called Sorry to Bother You, which is like a very heightened alternate reality uh, comedy about a bloke who works in telemarketing. Mm. <laughs> and it's based, basically uh, this guy, guy starts work at the telemarketing firm and uh, there's an older guy there called, uh, the older guy there is played by Danny Glover. Mm. Who, te- who says to him, use your white voice when you're calling because he's not making any sales or anything like that. And uh, yeah, so he says to him, no, you've got to use your white voice. And he's like, okay. And he's, they're overdubbed. And I think one of them, one of them is overdubbed with Patton Oswalt. So that gives you the <laughs> idea of what the white voice is. It's very sort of like, as he's, what is it? Uh, you want to be their friend, but you don't have a care in the world. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, and it, like I say, it's in a weird sort of vaguely, um, I don't know, running man sort of reality because there's a TV show called uh, You Got the Shit Beaten Out of You. <laughs> anyone can go on telly and talk about what they want, but they have to be pummeled first. <laughs> and like humiliated, and, but then they're given like a free platform. So kind, kind of, yeah. I get where they're coming from, and um, but but there's also a company in it called um, I can't remember, but it's ba- basically a company, and their commodity is people. I, I, that's it. No worry. And what it is is they've got a workforce, and the workforce they feed them, clothe them, house them, mm. but like you know, just like sort of barracks essentially. Mm. And, um, yeah, in return for which, they are a labour force that you send out. And it's like, all right, okay, so that not that slavery? Yeah. And, well, but, it's not yeah, like so, the army, though, by the sound of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. it's like, and then, but, yeah, so then it turns out they move on. When he, get, when he gets promoted, he gets on the floor where they're selling, like, arms. And, yeah, and human, like, human slavery. But the guy who runs the slavery company is basically the worst of every fucking billionaire <laughs> that you 
no, he's just a prick. And um, yeah, it's sort of, I'm not going to give too much away and I've probably not sold it very well. No. But right near the end, it takes an utter fucking weird, dark sort of it's absurd sci-fi turn. Dark so far, but... <laughs> yeah. And it's been, yeah. But it's, but it's so wonderfully shot and everything and all the characters are really likable and everything it's just sort of like you you know it just draws you in but also it has weird shit going on and there's a lot of visual weird shit as he gets promoted um and he's earning more money his flat transforms into his new flat but it's all things like he's got an old uh, cathode tube telly which splits open like an egg and then a flat screen unfurls out of it. Like a <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but sort of, yeah, it just is really like, it's amazingly done. Hmm. And it starts off where it's like, oh, they're using these things as, a, as an effect. But then it goes weirder plot wise as well. And oh. sort of, yeah, it's, but yeah, worth, definitely worth a watch. Okay. Um, and yeah, like I say, actually just, really fucking funny but also yeah it's like just weird <laughs> interesting yeah give that a go maybe when we want something weird yeah <laughs> um i've watched a couple of things since last week um i so i finally got around there's a film i've tried to watch twice so far and never gotten to the end of it um and i finally persisted with it so i finally saw cry of the banshee from 1970 I really um, thought you were going to say Ant Farm Dickhole. <laughs> no, I, no I, know, I know the film and I no, I've not seen it. Um, it uh, it's, it's in HD on YouTube. The whole thing's up for oh, wow. free. Um, so it's not an issue of getting it. It's an issue of Watching persisting it. through it. The second half of the film is brilliant. The first half is not. Um, it's, I think it's AIP, but yeah, say 1970, and I think it suffers a bit from, I might be being presumptuous, but it feels a bit like, obviously, exploitation was a big thing at the time. Oh, right, yeah. And it feels like they'd tried to take a Hammer-esque film, which is what it is. It feels like it, like it, feels like it was made by um, Tygon. Um, oh right, yeah. But yeah, they just put so, so basically the the story of it. Just to let everybody know, a there is no banshee. Sorry, spoiler alert. It's definitely a werewolf. So don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Um, You'd have thought werewolf would have sold better as a time. Yeah, exactly. But a banshee yeah. is a female um, wailing spirit. ghost. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this isn't. This is about a man who turns into a big, scary dog um, and attacks people who deserve it. That's definitely a werewolf to me. That's um, a werewolf, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's Vincent Price. Ooh. Uh, it's Patrick Mower, who obviously was the lead character from um, Devil Rides Out. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. all shot at Grimdike Manor, which was also where they shot uh, The Curse of the Crimson Auto, one of my all-time favourite films. So there's so much about this that I needed to see. Um, but the beginning of it is 
<clears throat> very much. So Vincent Price is the town magistrate, and he's a shit and just <laughs> accuses everybody of witchcraft and kills them. And he's got three sons, yeah, who are just bully boys. One of them's name is Bully Boy, and he shouts <laughs> it rather a lot. It's is it, quite. Is it not his nickname? No. Well, maybe <laughs> it is, but he, he just calls him Bully Boy. But that's what they are. Um, yeah, and basically the first seven scenes all end in sexual assault. <laughs> like, Sounds sorry. wonderful. It's like scene one, this woman is a witch, so we're going to rip her clothes off and whip her through the streets. Scene mm. two, there's a new barmaid. The three sons go in the bar. She's a new barmaid. Better check her out by ripping all of her clothes off. Scene three... <laughs> This woman might be a witch. Let's rip all of her clothes off and punch her in the face. Seeing a theme here. Yeah, and I was like, this is fucking horrible. Like, why am I... That's a fucking chore to get through. This isn't what I signed <laughs> up for. I was like, this, this, this isn't a, a hammer f feel of a... Which is exactly what I... But the thing is, it, it does that for the first half an hour, and then the rest of the film then becomes like a... Um, yeah, basically a, a coven has this gets this guy kind of possessed and he becomes their basically their werewolf and they just set him on people so it's really good but yeah the beginning of it's really fucking grueling and it just doesn't need to be it feels really unnecessary um but yeah so i probably won't bother then no it's not <laughs> it's worth. one of those ones that's always been like like you say it's always been like a one that's mentioned in the same sort of in the same sort of words that say something really good like Curse of Crimson Altar is. Yeah. But yeah. But no, it's got I, it's it's just it's got that horrible streak through it like um uh the Witchfinder General. You know that's the same? Yeah. It's like it's got a really spiteful streak. Yeah. Um, sadistic. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's got that same feel to it. So yeah, I yeah. wouldn't rush to rush to watch it well, well not only that but also at least which find a general there's the vague justification that it's a true story yeah but yeah just for a fucking werewolf movie yeah leave it it reminded me of um did you see extras ricky gervais where he's um speaking with patrick stewart because he's on the set with him and patrick stewart's like oh yeah i've had this idea for a great film i've written it and it's where i've got mind control power you know a bit like Magento in, in X-Men is like, <laughs> and I'll just, I'll walk in and there's a woman and I'll just make her clothes fall off. <laughs> and then the next scene, I'm walking down the road, there's a woman and I'll make her clothes fall off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was a lot like, and it's, like I said, like, the, I, I get they're trying to, it, it's a revenge movie, they have to make you hate the evil characters. Mm. But, but everything <laughs> was just, yeah. it's another woman. Yeah. She's got acorns in her basket. Maybe she's a witch. Let's rip her clothes off and find out. Does that help? Dunno. Let's punch her in the face as well, just in case. Like, and I just, and, but the thing is, I was so, I, I felt like I should persist with it because it had so many, Vincent Price, Patrick Moore. Like, it should be good. It's not yeah. quite Pan's Labyrinth level of um, make you hate someone. Yeah, he, yeah, that, that is. Oh, is, is, right, okay. But I just thought the way they did it, Pan's Labyrinth was. Absolute. Absolute fucking skill yeah. is mm. making you hate a villain. Mm. It is his superpower. Yeah, he <laughs> just—he's he, better than anyone at it. I um, think the only, the only other equivalent would be Scorpio in Dirty Harry. 
Yes. Where he's just such a, f- a prick. Horrible piece of yeah. shit. You just can't yeah. wait to see him get it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I watched was I went back and rewatched The Hollow, um, mm-hmm. which is a low-budget horror film. Um, and it's uh, Kaylee, is it Kuko? It's Penny from Big Bang Theory. Right. Um, mm. Before she was famous. Uh, in a village on Halloween. Uh, it's Sleepy Hollow. Oh, um, okay. oh yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so basically that they really believe in the, the history and all the rest of it. Um, so they obviously have a big Halloween thing. And this particular year, um, the uh, Headless Horseman actually comes back and terrorises the town. Um, it's pretty good. It's got ju- it's really super low budget. And so it's Penny from Big Bang, but before she was famous. It's also got Stacey Keach and Judge Reinhold in it. And I don't know how they managed to do that. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, low budget. Really good fun. Uh, watch it at Halloween is all I would suggest. It's it, it's easy to pick up. So uh, yeah, I'd go and get hold of a mm. copy on Amazon or eBay, and you are mm. good to go. You said that you you do you try and get all the sort of headless horseman stuff, didn't you? Yeah, I went through a phase of really being into headless horseman movies. Unfortunately, there's about <laughs> five. Yeah, and three of those are adaptations of Sleepy Hollow. So you're pretty. Yeah. There's just something about the vision of a... I think what it is, I had... Uh, somebody bought me The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, uh, the book on its own, when I was a kid. And it was like a kid-friendly version. Yeah. But the picture on the cover scared the living piss out of me. Um, and I had to hide it at the bottom of a drawer under a load of stuff. Um, so I think, in my mind, I'm like, there's something about them that's just so shit-scary... That I yeah. love to see lots of really scary headless horseman movies, and that there aren't any. Maybe I think this is something we need to look into. It's a seriously neglected genre. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, and, and I think that's. But it's such a but it's such a ghost trope, isn't it? Of like, yeah. it's like all the ghost holding his head, like sort yeah, exactly. Being yeah. ghosts holding their heads under their arms. Yeah, precisely. And yeah, and just, there aren't the films out there for it, which is. Mm. You're talking about Jacobean ghosts holding their heads under their arms. Uh, Ghost of a Chance was a kid's movie. Um, BFI have released it, I believe, on Blu-ray. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. I loved it as a kid. It's exactly that stuff, and it's got Ronnie Barker in it. Boom. Oh, nice. Winning. Ghost? Yeah. Uh, No, he is the man who has come to rip down the big old manor house and steal. Finds the ghost. Uh, Yeah, and there's a hidden room that the small children who hang out there have found. What's that called? uh, Ghost of a Chance. Ghost of a Chance. It's only about 40 minutes long or something, but yeah, it's pretty good fun. Old English. When you said, speaking of Jacoby and ghosts with their head under their arms, (laughs) I thought you were just going to say, codpiece face. (laughs) Lift me up before this woman farts again. (laughs) (laughs) And for those who... Aren't aware that's we're quoting the young ones. Lee is not insulting Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was as well. <laughs> um, yes, so on to this evening's main event, dutifully. Um, so Chris, I know you've had a tumultuous experience with black and white films so far. Um, so how did you feel about Psycho? Yeah, well, I would say Adam was right on the money. Uh, I think. 
everything you said about it absolutely Tell that correct. To my bank manager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was yeah, no, it was I'd say way better than I was expecting, and I, obviously it'd been built up to make me think, oh, it's probably better than I think it is. But yeah, just uh, it was just so well done. Like I, I think yeah, the main you thing thought, you thought it was, is that yeah, yeah. So no, from so from last week it was talked up. So it's like okay, yeah, that sounds good. But yeah, Adam's saying that it, it has aged so well and it yeah. would stand up. Yeah. You know, it could be a new film. Absolutely, like just so well written. It seemed well, uh, great Claire dialogue. Was- Claire watched it with me and she said that, that mm. it was, what was it you said, if she said you could have told me it was made in 1940 or 1990. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just, yeah. And this is the thing, it's just the influence of Hitchcock mm. is so extreme. Yeah. Mm. That he basically, yeah, he sort of invents modern film, or he's certainly part of the invention of modern, modern Yeah. Film. Absolutely, and I don't want, don't want to give it away exactly, but yeah, I just did not expect some of the mm, the parts really. to the story. Right. So here's here's an interesting question, because I think this had the same thing with Claire, because Claire genuinely knew nothing. Mm. Oh, the, as it wait, so, out, so the only thing I knew was the shower scene, and I assumed exactly. that was the end of the film, and that was like <laughs> the big whoa, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you don't see stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a bad way. <laughs> but and that's the thing. It's just very um oh what is the word? It is just so fast. It it just moves. Mm. You don't feel any lag with it. You have to a lot of the time, even really great older films. There's still you, you sort of, of a, make yeah. excuses for bits that yeah. you know. Then it might right. be more than like three minutes of a film or something mm. like that. But it's always like, yeah, they could have got rid of that. Mm. Yeah. Whereas there's nothing like that with this. It's mm. just like, yeah. Like, even the start to it, you know, because you have a sense it's a horror and there's some crazy bits in it. But and the whole first start was potentially not necessarily that exciting, but it was just done in such a good way. Like her driving in the car um mm. yeah and and uh, doing so it, like it plays their voices and that is actually what they're saying to sort of fill in that, i love that trope yeah, yeah. the fact that she's yeah it's kind of she's just driving but you can hear what's happening elsewhere yeah. at the same time so that you've got a real but it's her time event imagining of, what she thinks they're I, saying i, I don't know i, I, I thought I, no, it probably I, was I, actually okay hmm. No, I assume I assume it's in it's her imagination. Yeah, I did. Mm. She she knows kind of what's happening. Yeah. Um, but I think the key to it is, and this is maybe something that's like true for everything uh, in this film, but a lot of Hitchcock films, is there's details in there that sort of do it where it's like her like her colleague at the uh, real estate place of the estate agent um yeah she's obviously just a really annoying person (laughs) and it's just and it's in her imagination where she goes oh well she's uh she's not in as uh when it's like in her imagination oh no she's not in yet but she's always late on monday Mm. yeah my one of my favorite bits is when she says to her 
um, when she says to Marion, oh, um, yeah, he was flirting with you. Yeah. Oh, he must have noticed my, my red... My yeah, red <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you do that. Like, it's a very short part, really, of the film, but even mm. in that short scene, yeah, you kind of dislike her a bit, she's a bit annoying, mm. you already get that feeling, don't you? <laughs> but so, something about, like, yeah, those interactions mm. is what perhaps makes it seem more modern. Yeah. Like, I, you know, some of that was how I imagined they would have talked, but also some just seemed, yeah, funnier, oh, perhaps. And, yeah. Yeah. Hey, get on with your colleagues or not. Yeah. Yeah. I always think of those flashback voices as, hello, Joe, because <laughs> of the <symptoms. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or uh, what's the other one? Uh, I call the big one baby. <laughs> but that, yeah, that character is actually um, Hitchcock's daughter. Oh, uh, really? Part. Yeah. Oh. Uh, what is her name? Caroline, that's it. Yeah, and yeah, mm. Patricia Patricia Hitch, Hitchcock is the actress. Um, but yeah, that's uh, uh, Hitchcock's daughter. Nice. Uh, she was she was in quite she was in a few of his films, a few other of his films and stuff, and a lot of the TV show. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just there's so many. And again, in the flashback, when what is it where it's the the guy who's uh, whose money it is. Mm. Mm. And he just says, oh, uh, and he's like, yeah, Little Minx was flirting with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, in her imagination, it's like, yeah, yeah what he would be doing. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we all noticed that uh, there's something about taxidermists. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's disgraceful. That, you know, the idea back then was that if you were a taxidermist, you, you must be a bit... A weird serial, well, not a serial killer, but a killer. Well, <laughs> just a bit weird. Yeah. I thought it was a nod to the birds, you know, as a film. Mm. Yeah. It was. Jennifer Wood, as she is an amateur Indeed. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to qualify that, actually, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, listeners are just going to be like, what's she got beef about, you know, protecting taxidermists? Yeah, no, I have beef. It's a perfectly normal hobby. It's just like preservation... It's like restoring an old piece of furniture. You are restoring the animal to all its glory. <laughs> even if it's a two-headed rat with butterfly yeah, wings. Yeah. Like, even like, even the detail. That's yeah. <laughs> adding glamour to it. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so I think a lot of the tropes that in this are things that we hadn't seen before as well. Um, they say things like the, you know, you say they're hearing her thoughts and stuff isn't something I'd ever particularly mm. seen before. And the, the last I think that was much more common then. I think that oh, okay. was like as a, oh, I think I think that was something that maybe Hitchcock was like um, at the point of it coming the other side and phasing out as a technique. Mm. Oh really? Yeah, like the sort of thought tracking because mm. you don't it, genuinely you do not find it much. You see narrated stuff, yeah, but very rarely is that sort of you know just some what someone's mind is ticking over at that very moment. So I think he's sort of like sorry. I don't remember much of it in horror. I mean, it might have been in other cinema. I don't remember an awful lot. I think M might have been. Yeah, I think that that has an aspect to it as well. But, but yeah, I, think, I don't think I remember anything else particularly that I've seen that's got that mm, kind of... Yeah, well, it's just a technique. It's like a, 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 a 
storytelling technique, I yeah. suppose. Is it just saying flashbacks or flash forwards or flash? Mm. Actually, that's true. Yeah, the flashback and the flash forward. I mean, fucking hell, there's films that claim genius because of that. Because <laughs> they're just chopping the script up a bit. Yeah. So, it's not, then... not in and of itself storytelling. It's merely a storytelling technique. Ooh. Do you understand? Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Um, and, and so yeah, because I I thought she was going to last until the end. You do, and then, oh, and exactly. then yeah. Well, and when she didn't, it was like okay. Well, that's you know that, that's surprising. But um, and I suppose because she was the main character as well. So although it, I did think she lasted till the end, just because that's mm. how I thought it played out, it also made sense for the film that she probably would be in it for a lot mm. longer. So I was like, okay, well, mm. how's this going to go now? Like, what is yeah. No, I wasn't oh, expecting more kills. Because mm. I think, because I think at the time, certainly of the cast of this, uh, Janet Lee would have been the biggest name. Mm. Mm. So again, that would be, you know, it'd be like killing off, I don't know, John Bean. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's actually that's very true. That's probably mm. the the sort of was that level of wrong footing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> again, it's it's it's. I'm very jealous of Chris and Claire of watching it, yeah. not only watching it for the first time, but not knowing because mm. yes. I think it was, it's weird is that I think for a certain, a certain age, this is kind of like, you know, like how Frankenstein and Dracula, where you can always say, Oh, someone knows it, but they've not actually read it. Yeah. Like they've not, or not seen the original or whatever like that. And I think it's it's kind of like that for for a generation. Everyone knew that it was like it's Norman Bates. He dresses as his dead mum, yeah, and he kills people. Mm. And there's the shower scene right near the, the, in the middle of it, scares the shit out of you. And you know that. And it's like I really, really resent the fact that I was exposed culturally that meant that I could not watch Psycho mm. without knowing that and mm. have that sort of yeah, just the whole. Because that was the thing, all the way through it, it's like, it it keeps that switching going. That's not the, that's not the be-all and end-all of it. Because mm. mm. it's like, it's then that it's like, right, okay, so he's covering up for his mum. Okay, mm. so, right, but is he going to find the money? What's he going to do with the money? Will he yeah. run off mm. with the money? Because yeah. he said he... Mother's, see, I you know. even did that this time, like, having watched it before and knowing <laughs> the story, I mm. still was into it, and you're still kind of going... Oh yeah, is she going to get to meet up with the boyfriend? I, I know she's not. Okay. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. it's going to happen, but you're still, aren't you? You're ready for like, is she going to escape? What's going to happen? Surely he's going to take the money then, and then none of that kind of comes to end. Yeah. <laughs> but the, and the thing is, he keeps doing the thing, and he sort of misfires you. It's like using again mm -hmm. using techniques to that you are or the audience would have been familiar with even then. Yeah. And it's like keeps closing, uh, keeps doing cutaway shots to the um, the money wrapped in the newspaper on the bedside. Yeah. Mm. He clears the room out, leaves. Yeah. He, he's gonna he fight. comes back in, yeah. clears everything out, <laughs> leaves. Yeah. And then thinks, oh, hang on, I've got to turn the light off. Has one last look. No. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, because I've yeah. been told for the last five minutes that's the clue that's going to get you nicked. Yeah. Yeah. Or, mm. you know, because you've not seen it. And then, oh, hang on. Oh, and... Right, so the car and the body and the money are in a oh swamp. Gone, yeah. <laughs> and, right, and they hold they hold the car for a bit, don't they? I'm sure it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, is it going to go down? Yeah. 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 
even even that that is the genius of it that it's like even then you get you get more into the tension of not being cult yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's almost like you switch that allegiance where it's mm. like in the first first of it you're sort of you're following marion Mm. And then, because you're sort of adrift there, you're like, oh, yeah. oh no, he's, that's how he's going to get caught. Oh no, and then yeah. he stinks. Oh, that's all right then. Oh no, hang on, how is he going to get yeah. caught? Shit. <laughs> and then, and then, obviously, private investigator turns up. Like, he is fantastic. The heroes of so many crime films. Mm. So you don't expect him to fucking buy it. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, then they turn up. Like the mm. the sister and the boyfriend turn up, and. They <laughs> they realise that um, the private detective has been done away with. Yeah, they go to the local sheriff. And but also, say, the oh, sheriff's not on their side. Yeah, that's the best bit. It's yeah. they, no, it's just the best bit when they go to the sheriff and it's like, oh yeah, we think his mother's killing people, and it's like, <laughs> Mrs. You can't have spoken to Mrs. Bates. She's been in the cemetery for ten yeah. years. Yeah. Like, fucking mm-hmm. what yeah. it really just all those it's just yeah. keeps punching and sort of like subverting your expectation or whatever like that and then you get you finally get to the payoff yeah and the only the and the only thing i would say with this film is i i genuinely wonder why it needs the ending with the psychiatrist giving the yeah the explanation I, because like i found it interesting to, mm. just to see you know them explaining it. I mean, perhaps that was a newish thing at the time, was it? To I think that during to learn about this. <laughs> I think because apparently Hitchcock was kind of like he basically because Psycho is an adaption of a novel that was mm. a big hit because it was a shocking like murder story, and then so yeah, so he decided he decided to do Psycho because he'd seen William Castle and Roger Corman making exploitation cinema mm. and like for drive-throughs and just making lots and lots of money yeah. even though certainly William Castle was trying to be Alfred Hitchcock but no he, he wanted to do it like he wanted to do it like an exploitation thing mm. and if you think about things like Spider Baby mm. that has that opening where it's like the uh, the curse of the Merrills or whatever you know when he's mm. going through it's a strange atavistic <laughs> Mm. Um, condition and with people you know he's giving this sort of like almost like information film speech yeah. at the start of it and then you go into the story and then it rolls yeah, back it's in very, yeah it's very similar so I wonder if that was kind of part of the thing mm. because maybe that's mm. the big part of the book because I suppose there's still the very because yeah. in and of itself because of the way Psycho is the end is when you realise that it's normal yeah. yeah, but I'd imagine the book was probably like, but why is Norman like this? Mm. And so it then goes on to do that. But it's like, unless you make another movie and do it entirely in flashback, mm. this is probably the only way we could be able gonna... to explain. Because people at the time probably weren't, wouldn't just, not necessarily just wouldn't have been as accepting of, oh, what? So he did it, but why was he dressed as his mum? Yeah, you know. <laughs> And they would want that answered, but I do think it sort of upends the the film just a tad. Although you do, I guess, I guess it, it could have been done in a slightly better way, but it would have yeah. taken a lot more time, like you say. Yeah. And but you and of course you you still do get the creepy uh, thing of him smiling at the camera in the cell at the end. Mm. Yeah. 
where it's just the mother's voice. Yeah. That's, I, I think, butterfly. Do you think now we know much more about, you know, serial killers and their background, mm. the psychology mm. of it, whereas perhaps then, yeah, the audiences needed, as you say, the explanation because it wasn't as obvious as it is now, perhaps? Yeah. Someone yeah, writing so a book like this would obviously been very interested in psychology and yeah. human mind whereas yeah you'd imagine lots of people then may not have known so much mm. I, th I think also weirdly we're back at um ed gein as well because he was kind of the inspiration for the book and mm. by extension the film um and i think that this was sort of like in 1960 how you would write the story of someone wearing their mother's skin you know, slightly mm. more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. If come out. I mean, if it had come out at the end like fucking Leatherface, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that the film would have killed people. Yeah. I think that's just too much. Um, so. It's saying about the, the way it keeps twisting and turning as well. Have I got it? I'm sure I have got it right. This was one of the first films because <laughs> the films used to show kind of on a loop. So it'd show, mm. and then there'd be an interval, and then it'd show again. And people would just buy a ticket, go in, sit down at whatever point that the film was mm. in, and mm. would then just watch it. So you might yeah. come like half an hour from the end, you'd sit down, you'd watch it from there, then you'd have an interval, then it'd start again, and you'd watch it back to where you saw it to, and then you'd sort off. Um, it's where, it's weird, weird. where we came in comes yeah. from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, so this was one of the first films where Hitchcock mm. had a, a, had arranged with the cinemas and basically they'd said, look, it's, it's closed door. You go in when the mm. film starts, the doors are closed and, you know, nobody's allowed to wait. after the film has began. Um, yeah, because otherwise, I, I can't imagine doing that, though. Like you say, it seems weird to us now. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine turning up for the latest Star Wars film, watching the, yeah. the last 25 <laughs> minutes, and then watching from the beginning to where I'd seen, and then going, oh, right, here we are, he's just turned it in, now, come on. And that's done. Yeah. But is, is it, did they write them so that, you know, that was better, that that could work better? I don't know. I, I think it was just, the, I think it was just literally the mechanics of the cinema. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It was just the, the it just for some reason. I think it was also because cinemas would run like whole events. Would like it was almost like a, a you'd get like a couple of cartoons, a couple of yeah, yeah. you know m maybe even a B picture before or something like that, a supporting feature, or you'd I get news reels. When I was a kid, yeah, and it's mm. like you know, so you'd have like a whole program go on of of the evening so it wouldn't just be showing the film on the loop it'd be showing that whole thing on the loop so there was always the possibility you'd walk in during the news so you get the film complete or whatever like. yeah. but that was literally it and i i genuinely don't know that i could be placed on that level of trust because if the film was really good i'd just stick around and watch it for the rest of the fucking day <laughs> yeah yeah especially because then you wouldn't be able to you know it wasn't like you could get the blu-ray when it comes out mm -hmm. yeah you know, yeah, this was a time in when if you wanted to see moving pictures, you went to the cinema or you didn't see it. it you know, well, you fucked off, mate. Uh, well, TV wasn't even. When was TV? Big? No, TV was TV was there, but TV was definitely seen as like a poor relation. Yeah. And weirdly enough, weirdly enough, it lacked the prestige of radio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, th but yeah, I think that. So, because I mean, the BBC started up just before the war, 
And I believe that oh. certainly, like, there was television, you know, it sort of came, it was introduced in the 40s, I think. And then okay. slowly sort of, you know, so it was a go. And weirdly enough, that was why the whole thing with Hitchcock, as we know Hitchcock, as the, the character, that comes from him presenting the Alfred Hitch, uh, what was it, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and which yeah. then got renamed as the Alfred Hitchcock Hour. But him presenting those was what had really made him. People knew that, like, would know that he was, uh, you know, people would, would know a director's name or something like that. But he was genuinely a celebrity because he had this, because he had the TV shows and, like, his own. And he's a very, he would present them much the same as that trailer. Mm-hmm. You've, I mean, you've seen him. It's just, you know, he always just, good evening. <laughs> yeah. The night story features a man who. We'll probably forget what he's talking about in a moment. <laughs> but and just be these really funny sort of deadpan monologues. Mm. And that's why the public knew him. So weirdly his films were sold he was the star name. Yeah. Even though he although he I mean he was in them as background characters in like forty odd film, the forty odd of the fifty Four fifty-five that he actually made. Yeah, um, yeah. He's like does a background cameo and all of them, but he's not. He's not the star. Mm. And really, box office even back then was always like you know, oh, it's the new Cary Grant or it's the new whoever. And but weirdly enough, Hitchcock was very much like, oh, it's the new Hitchcock film. Like you'd be, oh, it's the new Tarantino film. Yeah, you know, mm. he was much more known as and of himself. And really, yeah, so he was he was the star of the film a lot of the time. Yeah. Because that's why people were going to see it. It wasn't necessarily because of who was in it. And mm. yeah, and because I think when did he I've got it I've got it jotted down here somewhere. Yeah, so he did the the show like on the TV was from nineteen fifty five to nineteen sixty five. Yeah. So for ten years he's on the screen with the public knowing him. And like 55 is, that's like the real, when the real sort of classic streak hits of like the films, because yeah, you get. Um, I was going to say, yeah, what, what would you rank his films? What would be like the top five? But you can say afterwards. I think, <laughs> well, I mean, certainly like 55, so he's doing The Trouble with Harry, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Then you get the wrong man, Vertigo, and then you really yeah. hit the seam in '58 with Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho in 1960. So slap bang in the middle of when he's doing the TV show, mm-hmm. um, and um, the Birds, Marnie, um, you know. So he's he sort of he hits a um, really good streak there. But I mean, there's there, all through his stuff. There's really good stuff because um, mm. I mean he did. Because um, obviously he started, he started when films were still silent. Yeah. Because mm. he was when was his? Because he was born in uh, nine, uh, eighteen ninety nine, and um, he, yeah. So he sort of his first. He, he started making his first film in nineteen twenty two, but didn't finish it. And then yeah, and then he was sort of doing. But there's like one of his silent films, The Lodger, is really really good. And that is basically a story of Jack the Ripper. Um, but it's t- it's like, yeah, because it's called The Lodger, A Story of London Fog, 
is the full title of it. Yes. And it's a really good silent film. I'm sure, I can't quite remember, but I'm sure it's Conrad Veidt. No, it's not. It's not Conrad Veidt. But yeah, it's um, basically someone comes to stay at a lodging house and then they suspect that he's Jack the Ripper. Mm. because the murders are taking place and it's it's really really great but one but at one point you even then started getting his sort of style because mm. there's a bit where someone's looking at the ceiling and it's a silent film how do you tell that someone's pacing upstairs yeah of course and they dissolve they made a glass roof or mm. ceiling and then the actor paced up and down on that huh. so you get that you know it's like that is using the visual to describe a sound in a silent film i'm just mm. like that's pretty impressive thought processes you know so and, and i just say uh, some of his camera angles in this as well really stood out the um, mm -hmm. the scene where um it, it's uh norman talking to his mother and the camera mm. comes up the stairs and then it kind of pivots up and goes to the midpoint of the hallway and shoots down. The, the yeah. Stairs. And mm. then he comes out carrying her and carries her down. It's just yeah. like, why? That's a really complex movement to put in when mm. there's no benefit to it well, apart from the visual. So you can't see that it's she's dead. <laughs> well no, no, but then mm. they could have just set the camera anywhere and just had the sound. Hidden hidden her if enough. They'd the, mm. If they'd have put the camera up high and just shot it from that bit, mm. you would question that. Mm. Because they've crept up the stairs, you're kind of like, oh so this is like, yeah, we're gonna see oh we're gonna see the mother this time, yeah, aren't we? Mm. And then you're sort of slightly, oh that's unusual. And then he carries the mother down. It's like, oh, bollocks, we missed her. Nice. So, yeah. And, but I think that it's, yeah, he does have a way. Well, I mean, just to give you a, oh, hello, Chris. Oh. <laughs> just, just, to, just to give you an idea of, like, Hitchcock basically made the, the cast and crew swear like a blood oath that they would not um, reveal hmm. the plot. Oh, that's you know, to anyone or reveal the story to anyone. So it would be really, mm. you know, he he really understood. And it's a, again, it's a shame of how it gets spoiled um, through familiarity, like in pop culture, mm. because yeah, he understood that it's you go into it with nothing, yeah, and get taken all over the place. You should have put a disclaimer mm. up on the end. Now you've seen this film, you're not allowed to tell anyone yeah. ever. <laughs> <laughs> Or, was, or, or Norman's coming around. <laughs> but I think, but so I, yeah, I, he understand, he understood that, um, the vitalness of that. Um, but I think that um, there's, I mean, obviously, in terms of like, there's the sound. Hmm. Um, and like the music score is Bernard Herrmann, who is. Yeah, I was going to say the music I seem to recognise. It is quite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's been it's been uh, you know it's been used in a lot of stuff. There's a Buster Rhymes mm. song that samples the theme tune. Oh, okay. The, the main title. Um, but yeah, there's it's it gets used a lot and it gets spoofed a lot as well. 
Mm. Because I think, like, if you watch, I think it was, um, I think it's when we watched Reanimator. Mm. That has a very, very similar, very similar. similar. So it might even be the same. It pretty much is, I think. And yeah, I think that there's a a lot to be, you know. That, again, that's something that seeps into pop culture, but in such a way that it's disconnected from the film. Mm. It's just become almost like library music for, you know, Panicked Journey or yeah, something like that. And it's, but um, yeah, basically like Bernard Herrmann, who um, is just brilliant. He did uh, the original Twilight Zone theme. Um, last film he scored was Taxi Driver and oh. he did like stuff like Cape Fear uh, he did um, Day the Earth of Stills it was in Kane but he also did for Hitchcock um, he did like so he did Vertigo North by Northwest so a lot of the real high point sort of classics um, and he basically he scored the film and Hitchcock had said to him right I need where where he wanted the music mm. and the shower scene he said right I don't want anything over this it's just going to be the sound effects <laughs> which incidentally was someone stabbing a melon um <laughs> is the the slicing um but um yeah I, I just want that silence that would be utterly shocking it would be documentary sort of feel and everything else like that and Bernard Herrmann came back with the score and said, oh, I did put some music to that because I thought it could use it. And Hitchcock basically didn't speak to him for like about two days or something like that. And just, just like utterly disgusted that he'd done it. And basically Bernard Herrmann just insisted and said, like, put, play it with the scene. Try it, yeah. And once he saw it, he was like, Boom, changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, no, that's staying in. And... To, to this, I mean, and, less, and Hitchcock was not uh, not backward in accepting praise, hmm. but he did say that, uh, what was it, um, 33% of the effect of Psycho was due to the music. Mm -hmm. So he paid Bernard Herrmann double his salary. Wow. Right, that had been agreed because it was, wow. and again, yeah. you know, people aren't known for that sort of generosity. No, no. And he, he certainly wouldn't have been. So it was like, yeah, that's how how much that sort of he was, yeah. created it, yeah. Um, because apparently just before that, he was looking back at the rushes and thinking, oh, it's not all that. And he was going to cut it down to just show in Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. Hmm. Or like, or whatever the, sh the show was called at that point. Yeah. So he was just going to cut it down to an hour and, you know, or maybe make a two-part round or something like that and just, yeah. And then they did the music, and it was like, right, now it works. Yeah. Because mm. up until that, what was it? He kept calling it a failed experiment. Oh, really? Because that was the thing. Is he said it was because he was watching William Castle and people. He was like, well, I'll show you how to make a genuine schlocky sort of movie. Because mm. it is that kind of thing. You know, it's like a, a dime store novel. Yeah, the stuff. Sort of crime story, you know, a bit sort of seedy, grubby underworld sort of story. And, and all the rest of it. Yeah, bit, bit, bit sexy. You see a bra, you know that sort of thing, and um, it's um, yeah. I think he, that was what he wanted to do. It was like, but I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll show you that you can make any of this stuff. Easy. You know, you can do this yeah. and make it look good. Um, I think, but also just because that's how he was as a 
as a director, he was like a really arrogant, cerebral sort of, you know, he really sort of broke everything down and was thinking about every single thing. I mean, even the painting that the peephole is behind, hmm. um, that, that's a painting which is called uh, Susanna and the Elders. Um, and the painting is from a story of a woman being spied on by two people. Mm. Oh. So even that is like a reference that he's got that. That's where the peephole is. Mm. So, and um, also I had to work it out basically just because we were, Claire was like, right, so how much do you run off with the money for? So uh, we worked out that in 2020, mm. the 40,000 would be 349,000. Thousand nine hundred and seven cents. Hmm. Nice. Um, uh, and in real money, that's uh, two hundred sixty-four. Sorry, two hundred and sixty-four thousand four hundred ninety-six pounds sixty in English money. Nice. And um, yeah, I think that that's you know probably would. No, you wouldn't. Well, but, you know, but I suppose, yeah. You didn't leave. I don't, like, no. I've got big changed the boyfriend in, in the hardware yeah. store, so maybe, you know. Yeah, he was pretty rough. <laughs> um, we actually, so we, Jennifer and I watched this on Friday, uh, on Thursday, and then last night we watched the 1998 Shot for Shot remake. Mm. Um I salute your contribution to the podcast, but Jesus Christ, you poor <laughs> bastards. Yeah. I know, I know, but we couldn't not finish it once we'd started. It was a real slog. Um, yeah. But yeah, in that, the 40 grand has gone up to 400,000. Right. Um, yeah, so what, what do they get so wrong? Nearly half a million. Um, it, it, it's shot for shot. Um, mm. I've got sort to say, of. There's a few bits that are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah very slightly. But... Um, the I, I've got to say I think the cast had something to do with it. So obviously in the original, Anthony Perkins and uh, Janet Lee are absolutely incredible. Were they sort of famous actors at the time before they did? The, this? Anthony Perkins wasn't. Janet Lee was. Right. Okay. Mm. She she was kind of like she would have been the name, yeah. and that's why it's again a bit of a. Kicking the tits when she gets killed off. So and I don't think Anthony Perkins did an awful lot. A he lot did I don't think I've seen him apart from the sequels and stuff. I've not seen him. In, oh, he's got sixty-seven credits on IMDb. <laughs> he basically ended up just after because this was the film that really sort of got him famous. Hmm. And then after that, he was pretty much doing um, things. Uh, sort of no, he was just playing horror roles, creepy old bastards in horror. So, including Psycho 2, 3, and Psycho 4, the beginning. <laughs> he also directed Psycho 3, which I was, oh, which I did cool. not know. Um, he directed one other film called Lucky Stiff. A plump loser, after being left at the altar by his fiancée, is invited to Christmas dinner by a beautiful woman, but her family are cannibals who intend to have him as the main course. Oh, <laughs> I'd watch that. Oh, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Yeah, I only um, mention I, these things because I think I think Mr. Lee will find them. Yeah, well, after we've watched this, anything's going to be better, isn't it? Well, <laughs> um, 
Mm. Yeah, so but to be fair, I genuinely thought Vince Vaughn was pretty, pretty good in it. Except it took me a while. I was like, is that actually the bloke I think it is? And he's like, yeah. 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 And I'm like, nah, it looks like his less attractive younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, he didn't quite look like him. He is very good in it. Um, I can't imagine him working in it, though. No, I mean, not a great role, perhaps. But I've, I've never seen him in anything except comedies. Yeah. No, and I, but I think that's the, I, I think he he lends an awkwardness. Like, he normally mm. plays quite an arrogant character. So I yeah, yeah. Not a lot else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he doesn't hold a candle to the original, but... Mm. It's all right. I thought him okay. it was a terrible film... He was probably the best thing in it, yeah. to be fair. Um, so Anne Hetch, who played uh, Marion, was absolutely awful. I, yeah, mm. when we were first watching the first 10 minutes, I was like, does this just feel really wooden and fake? Because I already know what she's going to say. Because mm. I've just watched yeah. the So is it that's why it seems fake? Or is it just she's a rubbish actress? Sorry, love. I'm sure you've done lots of other good things. I've, I've seen Anne Hedge be very good in things, but she tends to be quite good in quite... Is trashy the wrong word? Hey, I don't know. Is she quite good in... Uh... <laughs> she, she, does, she does tend to, yes. Right, yes. Um, but I think, I think, again, you upend it by having Anne Hedge playing Marion Crane. And then isn't it Julian, Julianne Moore? Yeah, who's, Moore, yeah. Plays the who's, li- who's Lila Crane, the sister. Mm. And again, that kind of upends it because it's like, well, why have you got a bigger name playing the sister if the sister's mm. insignificant? Yeah. Um, you know. Um, uh, William H. Macy's in it as well, like as Abregast. He, he's really good. Um, yeah, he's great in anything. Mm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Viggo Mortensen as well plays Sam. So, like, it's, it's a, a relatively solid cast. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, they're trying to update something that, yeah, doesn't need updating was already sort of spot on for everything. So anything yeah. that tries to perhaps improve, you know, like having it in colour and they went over the top so they had very bright outfits and, you know, mm. it was pretty jarring and felt very wrong. So that mm. didn't really help anyway. And then they so just is it- a bit of sort of sexism swapping over. So he mm. was sort of naked in the hotel room and you didn't even see her in her underwear at that point, you know, but yeah. I don't think it needed any of that, really. But there you go. The other thing is, it's four minutes. It's exactly shot for shot, but it's four minutes shorter. Um, and uh, Jennifer was very annoyed with me all the way through. I, I stopped it three times because I was like, "They're talking too fast. There's something wrong. Like I've, I've buggered the player up or no. something." I just said no. It's just because hitchcocks is so well paced and they do mm. it clearly and eloquently whereas this is a bit like they're american and they're just doing uh, it was just really what are you doing Sorry, why are you asking that why are you doing this why are you getting it's just like mm. non like a conversation mm. was just so quick fire like nobody had time to think it was like they were just reading Luckily, through their lines we knew what the plot was so it was okay <laughs> yeah but it was really weird it was like watching it on one and a quarter speed the whole way through it and i was like What's wrong? It got to the point where I literally I timed, I checked my watch, 
and I pressed play where we were and half an hour later I checked it and it was running at perfect speed. I was it that was convinced the speed was wrong because but it just felt We wrong. did say if we watched it in that double time we would have got through it much quicker. Yeah, so, I'd, I'd yeah. rather have watched it in one and a half. <laughs> so I, you're, you're tempting me though. I've got, I've got I, to see a bit of it. Yeah, I mean, I think I like to, you know, watched it straight after the original to have mm. Harrison and again to give it a chance to see if it did improve on anything or you know, what it added to it, but unfortunately, I don't think of anything at all. So, <laughs> sorry, people out there that were involved, you know. I just, it just seems really... It's a shame, like, why why do it? <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah. like you say, the only thing I can think of is it was like... Money? People, people won't watch black and white, we need it in colour. But I, I don't think I would have watched Psycho particularly, I mean, maybe years from now, but... Yeah. Like it was one of those things I was happy to Not know, know of. I, I just never felt like I needed to watch it. If if I'd known more about it, I would have been. I was going to say. Now you have watched it. Are you glad? Oh, yeah. 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 No, it is. Yeah. So so much better than I'd imagine. I, I thought it would have classic elements to it, but that's what I thought. It's probably it was good at its time, and there's been things that have taken whatever was good in it and done it way better. Why do I particularly want to watch that? I'm not. You know, I'm happy to see. Where things came from, but I just things apart uh, by now. Well, yeah, like I just didn't have any sense that I needed to. Watch it. Whereas, yeah, now having seen it, I absolutely would very highly recommend it. Oh, so, so a, a friend of mine, I was chatting with a friend of mine recently, and I said to him, um, "He's a you know a big film buff." And um, mm. we were discussing Citizen Kane, and I said, oh, "I've never seen it." Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and he said. I've, he said you don't have to. He said like mm. it's it's amazing because it did a lot of stuff that that hadn't been done before. Mm. He said, but if you watch it now, there isn't enough of it in the film itself to necessarily make it essential viewing. Yeah. And I I didn't mention it earlier in the what we've been watching because um, didn't make it all the way through. But not for everyone recently mentioned the Seventh Seal, which I'd never seen. Oh yeah. So I went back to try and watch it. Um, yeah, and I got about half an hour in, and I was like, yeah, I did, like, I kind of appreciate what it's doing for when it did it, but just mm. as a film, I found it very flat. Unlike, mm. it's like, unlike this, which is aged spectacular. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think, that's, the, I think that, that's a testament to how good this film is. That, as you say, this does film timeless, whereas you can go back to those films that are quote-unquote classics, and you're like, mm. well... I can watch it as an appreciation thing, but yeah. I mean, I enjoy yeah. watching it. Well, you, well, like you say, you, you kind of make allowances. Yeah. You're like, you know, if this had been these days, I'd have said that was that went on a bit too long. But it was them days, so. Yeah. Right. Like that eagle but, in the eagle night. What was that night one we watched? Eagle. Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, I can see they've just got a bird and put it in like yeah. a fake, made up little <laughs> corridor. Um. <laughs> but you said the opposite with this, which I, which I loved. Um, mm. So the scene where Abergrass gets killed, um, mm. and they've got that amazing depth of field as he comes. Where he falls back, back, yeah. Where he's, oh, in, yeah. he's perfectly in shot. But he's like, he's falling back. Everything behind him is yeah. out of focus and blurred. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a depth of field thing. But they didn't do that in the remake. And as a result, mm. Oh, it it just looks, and even you said <laughs> that looks yeah. like the old ones. Yeah, done it's better like, than that. You know when it looks superimposed on something else, like they've cut mm. out a person and the background looks out of sync with it. 
yeah, it looked like that in the new version, whereas the old version, I was really impressed with, because you see him falling downstairs, and you're like, oh, they're actually going to film him falling down the stairs, mm. but they kind of make it work. Yeah. And I assume he didn't actually fall too far. <laughs> Just probably the last couple of steps of the bit he actually kind yeah. of goes. But yeah, it's interesting. You think they would have, yeah, copied that decent sort of camera effect. Yeah, mm. it's one of the standout moments of the film. Why would you not do it well? Do it exactly <laughs> the same. But again, if, you know, the other thing I said um, that that varied in the uh, in the remake. Um, so obviously, it, it's a, a famous thing that everybody says. The shower scene is so mm. visceral and violent that you, a bit like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you watch it and you come away thinking that you saw a lot more. Mm. Yeah. When you re-watch yeah. it, you go, yeah. you never see the blade. It's not that much. Actually. Yeah. Um, and the remake did the same thing, but mm. it did do things like she had, ma when she falls over the bath, she's got massive cuts where he's obviously stabbed her mm. right through to her back. So mm. all that's open and it's all bleeding. Whereas in the in the original, mm, it, she all, falls yeah. in the bath and there's blood in the water, but you don't mm. see a single cut on her anywhere. Um, no. yeah. Is it the um, nearest nearest you get to it is there is a bit where it press they filmed one bit where they pressed the blade into her stomach hmm. and then pulled their hand away and then reversed it. Yeah. To mm. give an indication, but that's as extreme as it gets. Apart from the blood. And it's such a quick smash cut where it changes from angle to angle that, as you say, it, like, it feels very frantic. and very, yeah. But actually, there's nothing in it. It just happens very quickly and it, it elevates your heart rate and gives you that <gasps> kind of feeling without having and to show you anything. Adam probably knows if this is true or I'm making it up. So did, they just, or did he decide to do it in black and white to get away with the fact that you can then see the blood but obviously it's not red that might have not got past the sensors or... Again, again, he again he said that there was the element where it was like, if it was going to be like a, like a Corman or a um, William Castle picture, they were still in black and white. It had to be for that reason. So right? I think there was kind of that element to it because it was just, obviously once colour comes in, it's much cheaper to film in black and white. So that's why yeah. a lot of the lower budget ones are black and white still. And again, like, like we said uh, last week, you know, it's 1960. So, you know, well, colour had, had been there for a while. And I mean, like Hitchcock had, had done stuff in colour long before this. This yeah. wasn't like, um, and, um, but I think there is, cause I mean, they used uh, watered down Hershey's chocolate syrup is the blood. Oh, nice. <laughs> cause it showed up better. Oh, yeah. shows up better and darker on the camera yeah than if they'd have gone to the trouble of getting some fake blood or whatever <laughs> so yeah so they used that and um there's uh, i mean again talking about like sort of filmmaking techniques and just sort of like like hitchcock wanted to have the shot into the shower head mm. like and um so they um basically he blocked up the centre of the shower head, like centre of the flower. Mm -hmm. So the water's only coming out of the side jets. Oh, so, and it was just at the right angle that it wouldn't get on the camera. Camera wet, yeah. Because you didn't have like a waterproof camera to do no. that. And, uh, you know, or particularly workable one. Maybe that's why I use black and white. It's like, if I ruin this camera, it's going to be way cheaper. <laughs> that's true. 
There's there's that element to it. It's definitely definitely the, the economy helps. Yeah. <laughs> I think the black and white in this gives it such a I don't know, it's just something about the darkness and the shadows of it, as you say, like that kind of house on Haunted Hill feel. Um, it's quite crisp. And I mean the good mm. thing is as well is that obviously Hitchcock all the he was well regarded in his lifetime, mm. you know, when he brought out films, although he, uh, I mean, he never won, he never won a best actor, a uh, best, well, obviously never a best actor, <laughs> never won, I'll try that again, mm. he, he never won best director ever. Wow. He was Imagine. nominated a few times, he was nominated for Psycho, yeah, and he didn't but, win. Who did? But, um, but he was well regarded, so all of his films, or certainly the sort of Hollywood end of it, um, everything was preserved as important from that point yeah so now i mean i'm watching like the blu-ray of it and if i didn't know it was you know it could have been filmed yesterday if i didn't yeah. know that everyone in it was too old to be <laughs> filming it mm -hmm. yesterday i was too exactly the same thing yeah that like the blu-ray quality of this is so much better than stuff there's way like some stuff that comes out you know 20 years ago now mm. it's got a Blu-ray release. Looks like dog shit. Whereas mm. this looks incredibly crisp. I said it to you watching yeah. it, like it's, you know, you can see the pores of their skin and everything is just so. Oh, it's, it goes to prove just how good film is that all the stuff mm. is there. You know, it's like you know everything is recorded, and now it's just at a point where you can see it all. Yeah, mm. it's you know because it's it's not got that thing of it's not like closing up on a digital image where it just gets more and more pixels. Yeah, you know it's it's there. The information is there and recorded for all time. And mm. if it's been preserved well and everything, you can still draw that out of it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, yeah, and I think there's um, Hitchcock also really like he likes like the European directors like Fritz Lang who did. Um, uh, Metropolis and Nosferatu. Yeah. And he, um, so he liked the German expressionist stuff, which is all that high contrast black and white stuff like Cabinet of Caligari and things. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely, I think he brings that into this. Um, but again, with the wrong footing, like the mum, uh, like Mrs. Bates. There's three actors play her voice mm. and they just mix them. <laughs> like, and so you can never quite get the handle. And one of them's a bloke. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you can't, but yeah. Um, apparently, he was a friend of Anthony Perkins who could do an impression of a screeching old woman. <laughs> so they got him in, and, and they had like, um, yeah, and they had uh, two female, uh, like two actresses who did the, um, like the voice as well, and so yeah, and they mixed that across the soundtrack the whole way, so you don't quite get people's voices, you know, you can't quite get a handle on the voice mm -hmm. to give it an an odd effect, but even more so, um, apart from when he comes in right at the end. Anthony Perkins is not the mother body. Oh, like the the, the, yeah. the killer. Yeah. So in the shower hmm. there were two different um there were two different actors portraying hmm. uh the mother. And then when she, when 
Arbogast gets killed, mm. and this is fucked up. Um, the uh, actress who plays, uh, where is it? There's an uh, actress called Mitzi Kostner, um, who <coughs> is a dwarf. <laughs> and she was one of the munchkins. And, um, and yeah, and she's the mother in that sequence. So when it's like shot overhead, but also she'd be like, you know, the height difference. Yeah. You know, just again, totally disorient you. You can't quite work out what's going on. And it's... Oh, incredible. But, but the amount of... And the good thing is, is that just because of the way of the plot and everything, and this is all stuff that's feeding in unconsciously. Mm. along with a plot so that you are pretty much like well we're going to see Mrs Bates and she's going to be a monster yeah you, you yeah. don't think it's yeah. because at no point as it mm. has the same build as him maybe the same walk as him or anything like yeah. he's got a, he's got yeah. a very mm. a very unusual shape Anthony Perkins when you look at him his shoulders are very like right angles from his head like mm. he's got a very square frame yeah, yeah. because for, so, for someone that skinny to have yeah. That's, yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. I know Chris is doing it right now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, as you say, it kind of it's it's enough that subconsciously you don't put two and two together because mm, you can't. Yeah. yeah, but equally, it isn't a cheat. You know, it's yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's a cheat. No, it, it yeah. is. It's playing with you. It's yeah. dicking with you. Yeah, it is, and that's the thing. I think like Hitchcock was famously like a and. I can't stress this enough. When I say practical joker, yeah. I do include mm. the fact that practical jokers can be pricks. Okay. <laughs> Surely. Because it's essentially, you're essentially like the lowest form of terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, we set something up and it was a surprise. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, some, and someone was scared. I used to love that as a kid, but that's not yeah. really funny, is it? Getting your finger caught. <laughs> there was... There was a story that Hitchcock had, uh, I can't remember which film it was, but there was like, uh, he said, he'd said to some bloke in the crew, like, oh, you wouldn't sleep here overnight, would you? Mm. And the bloke was like, oh, yeah, no, I'd do it. And Hitchcock said, well, I, I, I don't believe that you would, right. um, you'd stay here all night. Can I tie you to a chair? <laughs> so the bloke, and the bloke says, yeah, all right, it ties him to a chair. But Hitchcock had slipped him some laxatives. Oh, <laughs> what a dick. So That's not funny. came in in the morning and uh, just enjoyed the fact that he'd oh. let a man sit in his own shit all night. Oh, <laughs> That's cruel. Yeah. See what I mean? And that's where it comes from. Mm. That's, where, <laughs> that's where that sort of, you know, all that, all that set up and misdirection, it's the same bloody thing. Yeah. But just, you know, one's used for good and one's used for evil. <laughs> so you saying about sets though I've, we can't pass the house by it like what an iconic mm, mm, that, yeah that. I could pass that house by on a fucking dark rainy night though <laughs> very fast <laughs> I have got photos of that when we went to Florida me and Chris really ago. it was yeah. a oh yeah it was at Universal wasn't mm. it I think it's, it's yeah. still standing but it's been moved yeah. I think well I mean yeah. it's, it's there you know the roller coasters and whatever else but I took some pictures mm. I was quite interested yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, I can't believe when they did the remake, they didn't use that house. They used a oh, different yeah. house, and it another was another disappointment. Yeah. yeah, 
I guess they're yeah. loud. <laughs> of all the things, it's weird, isn't it? Where, especially when you've gone to the trouble of like, right, we're going to just completely remake this. The scene, yeah. Why, why these sudden stylistic changes? Yeah. Why have you suddenly decided to exert in I'm this? I'm guessing they weren't allowed to use it, I'm sure. It must be something like that. It's probably. Unbelievable. Or because it's in the middle of Universal Studios, they couldn't get everyone to, you know. Yeah, a bit <laughs> difficult, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the hotel, the, the Bates Motel did change hands, though. Right. Because you've got, because there is, I mean, obviously. Is it a I mean, real dis hotel? Discuss, no, 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 no. But we discussed it very briefly. That this, I mean, I think that Psycho is the absolute an essential thing to see. Mm -hmm. the, least you, the less you know about it, the better. Yeah. But so definitely, <laughs> but definitely the franchise is just stupid. Uh, it, doesn't, really? it doesn't make uh, it makes sense but it's just boring mm. I think that's the best way I can put it is because like you know how's Jason going to return this time how's it, but there's no supernatural elements of this mm. so it's just how's he going to be released from uh, a criminal insane asylum uh, this time <laughs> so, so the second one he gets out Mm. And I've, I've seen number two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, second one he gets out, and um, then Lila Crane, like Marion's sister, mm -hmm. who married Sam. Ah. Uh, so she's actually Lila Crane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, her and her daughter basic, basically uh, they decide that uh, Norman's cured, so he gets released from uh, the asylum. And he goes back to stay at the Bates Motel. And <laughs> yeah, I oh know. He goes back to stay at the Bates Motel. And then basically, Lila and her daughter try and make him crack by dressing up as mother wow. to make him kill someone so that he'll be put back inside. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just, oh. just, just weird. Yeah. Then Psycho 3, which. Anthony Perkins directs himself, obviously. Uh, but the end of that, it's all it's all fine. Uh, he's uh, he doesn't get sent away for the murders. Good, the, is he? the the cranes get discovered, and ah. uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then basically, he, at this point, he now thinks that his aunt was actually his mother, not his mother. Right. So that, there's a twist. So he's got a different corpse in the house. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it all sort of kicks off again. Mm. I quite well. Then, then there was a film called Bates Motel, mm. and it's the uh, what was it? Alex West kills his stepfather and is committed to an asylum where he shares a room with Norman, mm. now played by Kurt Paul, who was Anthony Perkins' stunt double. Oh, <laughs> um, Norman dies and leaves Alex the hope the motel in his will, oh. and this was kind of like a backdoor pilot for um, like a series about the Bates Motel that was going to be kind of like an anthology, but it was always going to be like spooky or supernatural, which obviously oh. Psycho isn't. Yeah. And yeah, and so there's the plot, the plot basically revolves around the, a bank manager dressing as Mrs. Bates to scare Alex away. So half of it's Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And then there's a whole subplot of a guest at the motel because that was going to be the thing. Someone would turn up as a guest and then they would have a supernatural experience. Uh, yeah. A guest at the motel meeting the ghost of her teenage self from another dimension who committed suicide. 
too many plots. Yeah, too <laughs> too much thought, Scott. Yeah. So you can think about something too much, can't you? That is uh, and and then there's Psycho Four, the beginning, which I actually quite like. Yeah. Um, directed by Mick Garris, and it's uh, basically Norman calls Norman calls into a radio show where his old psychiatrist is doing a talk on matricide. Norman's very clever though; he calls himself Ed, so they won't notice him. Yeah, nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so they ring up, and then he tells the story of how he killed his mother, mm. and that's all done in flashback, and that's pretty good. Yeah, and. Um, then they realise that they're actually talking to Norman Bates because it's his old psychologist. And then they realise that he may kill again his wife, an unborn child. So they uh, yeah, have to trace the call and track him down. It's not bad. Okay. I mean, I mean, it was, I don't know, what, 2am on ITV? Uh -huh. And I was... Nothing else on. 20. <laughs> yeah, and I was 20 and unable to sleep. So, yeah, I think that's, that's what I was... <laughs> Yeah. And then obviously there's the horrible remake. Uh, and the series so, though, did you watch the series? There was, yeah, I didn't watch the series, no, but that was basically, that was telling the origin story. Yes, yeah, yeah. we started um, it and Lee got bored. Yeah. It was, also, it was also, that was set present day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well. So it was I, as if he was going to build up to be psycho in the future. Yeah. Future. I mean, it seemed right. It was, you know, I, I would have happily watched it for longer, but you know. Two episodes was enough. I was pretty done. Yeah. By that to, be, to be honest, the synopsis was enough, and then I was like, "No, nah, fuck it." Life's yeah. <laughs> too short. Well, meanwhile, <laughs> we have caught up, Adam. I don't know if Lee's told you we've oh, been no. summer murders. Oh, and blimey! Yeah. The, the slaying with the wine bottles in the tennis ball. Yes. Yes. Lee was like, as it was starting to set up, Lee was like, "Oh no, it's coming." Adam told us this the other week, and I was like, "No." I have no recollection of what Adam did. We and mention then, this on the podcast. We yeah, did. Yeah, we, did. we did. We did. And okay. then, yeah, and then it started happening. I was like, oh yes, I remember now. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a wino, and he well, no, he he's not a wino. He he's, he likes a, he's wine. a wine collector. Yes. <laughs> and for some reason, he also loves um, old Greek shit. So he's got loads of like old Greek statues and things in his garden. But he also has a massive working catapult. So the guy and, gets... a, and a croquet set so that he can be pinned down so the guy... with the croquet hoops. Which yeah. is nonsense <laughs> as well, I'll point out at the time. So they, they basically they put it, he draws a target on the floor, yeah. lays the guy down, puts croquet hoops. He, he has drugged him, so I think it's plausible. To ha hold his hands down. So, all right, so he can't pull Move. those out. Yeah. But he can just slip his hands out of the hoop. No, he's surely. Got big, big hands, very big hands. Fat-handed, very, very small wrists. And... Well, you know, wine drinkers are like to get their big banana hands, like yeah. uh, Prince Charles. But it was uh... yeah, and then they catapult a uh, two hundred bottles of wine out because the guy keeps all of his red wine in the garden. <laughs> Who keeps their red wine in the garden? I said he must have just slipped into the shed and nicked it all, but. Anyway, it was in no but, way plausible, but a very... But you see what I mean? That's where I turned over it. It's yeah. like, I thought Midsummer Murders was a bit sort of marplish. Yeah. And I was like, this feels like the Avengers. What the yeah. fuck is going on? <laughs> They've got some horror writers in, I think, by this point in the series. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be yeah. yeah, we had the Wicker Man one as well a few episodes ago. Yeah, oh, nice. Someone alive in the wooden statue and all the children were singing and it was all meant to be a lovely thing and then someone was screaming 
<laughs> and the mad druid in that is uh, Sherlock Holmes from Young Sherlock Holmes. It's the only thing I've ever seen him in apart from Young Sherlock Holmes. So No, you've also seen him in Rogue One. Mm. Have I? Oh. Yeah. Oh. He's wearing Peter Cushing's face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've had That's this. Proof. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, this is all this is all going Ed Gein again. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one wearing his face. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of crime, you said like, oh, they've got some horror writers in. Mm. Sorry, as a segue, I just want to punch myself in the face. Um, Robert Block, who wrote the original yeah. book Psycho. He made some sequels to it, which were... I wrote a book sequel to it, because I was just yeah. doing it to find out and buy the original, and there's like a Psycho 2 he's written. Yeah, and that one is Norman escapes from the asylum to stop a film of his life being made. So he goes to Hollywood. <laughs> I won't so that's Psycho goes... That's like Psycho, Psycho goes does Hollywood. Yeah. And then there's a third book called Psycho House, and Norman's... Norman's been dead 10 years and someone opens up the mansion and the the motel as um, a, like a horror tourist attraction, like a true mm. crime uh, tourist attraction and then the murders start again. Ooh. I've uh, got to say, actually, you've just reminded me. Mm. Um, I actually, as someone who um, has said many times that he doesn't read an awful lot, I read the book of this before I saw the film. Oh, okay. Wow. But it was such a long time ago. I mm. I was still in school, so I think I read it when I was 15. So I don't remember anything about it, but I just remember that I read it mm -hmm. before I ever saw the film. Which is awful, because that means I was 15 before I'd even seen the film. Mm -hmm. That's a sad. Yeah. I don't know when I saw it, to be honest. Again, it's that thing of not, you know, of being aware of it versus actually watching it. Yeah, yeah. And it's probably one, one is definitely much later than the other. Is there one, because you've seen them all, Adam, I think, is there one where the mother is in a coal heap in the cellar? That's the second one, I think. Yeah, because I remember catching the end of that at a friend's house. It was obviously yeah. like their parents might have been watching it, and we were obviously allowed to watch some of it, because that, but that really stands out with me as being like, ah! <laughs> Yeah. How old I was for that one, but yeah. Yeah, I think I think that yeah, because for some reason these really uh, the original doesn't, but the sequels all do the rounds on, or used to do the rounds on late night ITV. Yeah. A hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. Like Robert Block, um, wrote horror, crime, fantasy stuff and things. Mm -hmm. Um. He wrote three episodes of Star Trek, numerous episodes of the Alfred Hitchcock anthologies, Night Gallery. Um, he wrote the scripts to Torture Garden and Asylum and The Skull for Amicus. Yeah. Loved The Skull. It's such a great film. It's a brilliant film. And this is the bit that's going to get Lee all excited. He was a protege of H.P. Lovecraft. Really? He was the youngest member of the Lovecraft Circle, like the sort of group of authors that all, the weird fiction authors who yeah. sort of all met up and everything. Um, and The Haunter of the Dark is dedicated to him. Mm -hmm. And it's a response to his own story, Block's own story, The Shambler from the Stars. Oh. Now, The Haunter in the Dark is my favourite yes. Lovecraft story. Oh. 
that's what I thought. And yeah, so Robert Block wrote the story that inspired that story. <laughs> what was it called, Terry? Uh, the Shambler from the Stars. Mm. But yeah, apparently, basically, from what I gather, um, in that, there's a version of H.P. Lovecraft who gets killed. So H.P. Lovecraft wrote Haunter in the Dark, where there's a version of Robert Block who gets killed. <laughs> and then Robert Block wrote another short story, killing off another H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> Sounds like a weird relationship they had going that's, on there. I mean, that's, that, that's authors for you. Mm. Um, I thought you'd like this quote from him as well, from Robert Block. I may seem scary, but I have the heart of a child. I keep it in a jar on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I might man. use that one next week in my teaching. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, and we've not mentioned um, Marion Crane, obviously, um, uh, Janet Lee, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's mum. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And, yeah, uh, horror crossover there. Yeah, and she's in she's in the fog with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I did notice yeah. that. Yeah, when we were looking up earlier for the for this. Yeah, I, I spotted. Oh, and she's in she's in one of the Halloweens that Jamie Lee Curtis is in one of the later ones, like H two O, I think. Oh, there you go. I've uh, actually Jennifer and I. I sat down last week and created again. This is going to be coming out. Oh no, this will still be out long before October. Um, I've actually created Jennifer and mine's October Halloween prep um, films to watch mm -hmm. um, ahead of time. And um, just find it very quickly. Never read them all out, are you? No. <laughs> um, oh. oh, yeah. Well, I should add one of the, I should possibly add one of those Halloween later ones to the list, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, because. Maybe. We always watch Halloween 3, so I might have to uh, oh, mix it up a bit. Oh, it's the best tune. Well, I th and remember, I think we need to... Um, we will be... Obviously, we'll be coming up with uh, something quite special for Halloween. But in terms of... Yes. But in terms of... Uh, for, Hall for Halloween, uh, I noticed that the original Halloween is on that list, Lee. So we'll, we'll work out what the timing is and... Uh, I think that would be the one that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll possibly do that for the actual Halloween yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Um, speaking right. of Carpenter, speaking of Halloween, um, Sam Loomis, that's Donald Pleasance's character's name. Yes. Like, yeah. John Carpenter's uh, put the reference in there. Yeah. Uh, and the guy who played Sam Loomis was nearly James Bond. Ah. Because you know, like, George Lazenby took over. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't do very well. No. So they got him. They they yeah they cast what's his name John Gavin. Uh, yeah, they cast him as Bond, but then Sean Connery agreed to come back. Yeah. So he got bumped, obviously, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was very, but he was very nearly. Um, <laughs> he was very nearly James Bond. So nice. Um, also, also, this I I didn't realise this to be honest, but um, I mean, Anthony Perkins uh, had a bit of a fucking life. Um, but he's got two sons who are in the film industry. Um, Oz Perkins, who wrote and directed I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. That was a good film, as I remember. Yeah, I was going to say, you. I know you said about that, Lee. Hmm. And um, he's also written for the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone. That was good, too. Um, and the, his other son, Elvis, um, is a soundtrack composer, and he did the score to the to I Am The Pretty Thing That Lives In The House, and also that film with um, 
Emma Roberts, February, or The Black Coat's Daughter. I, I haven't watched it yet, but it's like something that keeps cropping up as a must-watch. So I'm definitely going to check it out anyway. Um, but Perkin, Auntie Perkins' widow um, and their mum, uh, she died in September the 11th. Oh, really? Yeah. She was on one of the planes. I mean, uh, Auntie, Auntie Perkins died in... Uh, in 92 so like he was he's not gone then but uh yeah so um no she she lost the life she was on one of the flights wow my god and, yeah, um, recording this on september 12th oh. yes yeah, so exactly. it's, it's very relevant very very close um but um yeah <laughs> so there's a couple there's a couple of there's a funny one yeah we've got two we've got two anecdotes for Anthony perkins mm. blessing there's a funny one and there's a not so funny one. So oh, not so funny, and then finish with funny. Oh uh, yeah, actually, I think I'll do that. Yeah. So he was uh, basically he was bisexual, and but and he was it was one of those things where it was like an open secret that he had male relationships as well as female relationships, hmm. and he developed a palsy on he uh, on his face, hmm. and he had some bloods taken. Those bloods were stolen by the National Enquirer and they had them run for AIDS. This is back in the... Yeah, this was back in uh, 1990. Hmm. Um, yeah, they, uh, they stole the blood, had it tested for AIDS and then broke the story in the National Enquirer. Anthony Perkins talks to us about his struggle with AIDS. <gasps> Anthony Perkins didn't know he had AIDS yeah. wow. until he read the article. That is appalling. Yeah, I mean, that is... We thought the media were bad now. How are they getting away with that? I know. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a reason why things do have to go into scrutiny. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, that is just unbelievable. You know, it really, it really is shocking. And it's, uh, I mean, he, from what I gather, I don't think he was that bothered. He was sort of very much like, oh, I thought I had it, but, mm. you know, now it's confirmed sort of thing. But he was so... In a way, I think he was sort of denying a reality. But I mean, Christ Almighty! To suddenly yeah. open up the paper and it's like, oh Jesus Christ! You know, that would be wow. <laughs> that would be something else. So, <laughs> on to funny. He was arrested at Heathrow Airport in 1984 for possession of eight grams of marijuana and three tabs of LSD. <laughs> hey, <laughs> good boy. It gets better. It gets better. He was uh, he was filming in Wales. He did like a, very much like a Hitchcock thing. He was doing a presenting job on like a true crime show. Okay. Um, so so he was uh, staying at a hotel in Cardiff. So at home where he yeah, grew he his own... drugs there very easily. <laughs> well, well, here was the here was the thing. He grew his own. Mm. So he put some like he basically mailed it to himself ah. to pick up at the hotel. Yeah, clever. But the post got there before he did, hmm. and there was another Mr. Perkins at the place. <laughs> so they opened it up, found <laughs> his weed, and uh, yeah, he, the police were waiting for him when he turned up. Oh, yeah. that's terrible! And he did. He got. He got fined two hundred quid for what I think. What was the street estimate they said it was? Um, Four pound fifties worth of cannabis. <laughs> Oh, that's ridiculous, isn't that's it? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. So the moral of the think... story is, mess like send it in the mail to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but with a do not open. <laughs> yeah. Do not open unless you unless you have played Norman Bates. <laughs> so as long as it's not the stump then it's fine. Wow. How bizarre. There you go. It's a nice little Yeah, no, and there's of stuff that I have seen, I mean, Anthony Perkins, the stuff that I've seen him in, he's always great. Hmm. But definitely check out The Trial, the awesome Wells version of Franz Kafka's The Trial, because he's, he's Joseph Kane in it and he's brilliant. Hmm. He really gets the, the humour of it. He's just, yeah. And also, he's the, I think, the only man in a Disney film to be disemboweled. Um, he's in, he's Dr. Alex Durant in The Black Hole. And he's the one who Maximilian just pushes his rotor blade hands into his stomach. And yeah. Wow. He, he holds up, uh, this, this is the best bit. So there's a giant robot coming towards you with spinning blades for hands. Mm. And he holds up a rather thick, um, oh, what are they called? Clipboard. Nah. Picks up a clipboard, holds it in front of him, and it just drills through the clipboard, and then you just realise it's got to his guts because he goes. Nice. And that's for kids. Oh, there you nice. go, Chris. So watch the yeah. be, Beware of the Black Hole. Black if hole. you wanted to. <laughs> Actually, watch the Black Hole. It's fucking mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. So. Um, ready for next week, um, as we said previously, so we skipped and dropped this one into our, uh, into our schedule, uh, so we're returning back to the schedule, which only Adam and I know, the secret schedule. The secret, yeah. The secret, the double secret probation schedule. <laughs> uh, so next week, we are going to return to Sam Raimi, um, and we are going to be watching Drag Me to Hell. Mm. Um, yeah. A fantastic return to form for Sam Raimi um, and one of the loudest cinema experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, Adam and I went to a midnight viewing of it and it was definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think it's the only film I've ever come out of with Swimmer's Ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it worked so well. We loved every minute of it. Um, Yes. So thanks very much for listening. Um, go and check out Drag Me to Hell, ready for next week. Go and listen to the Not For Everyone podcast. Yes. Um, and yeah, we will uh, see you all next week. And, and if you're brave enough and you hate yourself, go and watch the Psycho remake because it's an absolute turd. <laughs> One for the masochist there. <laughs> Night. No, no. Night. No.